Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Dr. Jenny Patel is a senior engineer at Becton Dickinson, one of the world's largest global medical technology companies. There, she is part of the prestigious Technology Leadership Development Program, where she works on assignments that address some of the world's most compelling health problems. She holds her PhD in biomedical engineering from the University of Tennessee at Knoxville, where her research focused on developing and evaluating drug delivery systems to treat pediatric cancer. She's also passionate about advocating for STEM outreach and education, which led her to create her own STEM influencer brand called STEM with Jen. Through this science communication platform, she aims to make STEM accessible for everyone by sharing her engineering career pathway, educating the community on STEM topics, and empowering future engineers. And Jenny, as she told us we can call her, is with us today as part of our partnership with Reinvented Magazine and the Princesses with Power Tools Calendar. Welcome to the Hazard Girls Podcast, Jenny. Thank you, Emily. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be interviewing all the princesses from the Princesses with Power Tools calendar again this year. It really just opens up so many inspirational stories to our audience that we wouldn't have gotten. So we're, we're just really grateful to Reinvented Magazine and Kaylee Looney for, uh, for giving us this opportunity to speak with all of you wonderful folks. So like, we're going to hear all about your experience with the calendar and what that was like for you and, and what the response has been. But first, I would love to tap into just a little bit about your own personal journey. And I'd love to hear, um, well, first of all, do you come from a family of engineers? No, not at all. Um, so I grew up in a really small town. Um, it's actually called Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And it's actually where Dolly Parton is from. So a lot of people in the Southeast in the United States know about uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, but I'm currently living in San Diego and no one knows where I'm from. Um, there was not a lot of STEM background from where I grew up from. My parents actually are immigrant parents, so they run a family business and that is what I grew up with. So even when I go home now, it's they run a hotel, so I'm like helping with front desk or helping oh. clean rooms, things of that sort. Um, so I really didn't even know what STEM was strongly and what engineering was. Um, I got introduced to it when I was volunteering at the Children's Hospital um, my final year in high school. Hmm. Um, so I was, I always wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, that was my dream goal since I think first grade. I was like, I want to be a doctor to help the kids. Um, and it wasn't until my last year in high school, I realized that there's so much more I could do to help kids, especially um, in addressing health challenges. Hmm. And so one of the pediatricians I was shadowing um, taught me about the field of biomedical engineering and as a field that I can look into. And so that really is what inspired me to look into the field. And that is how I ended up where I am now. Now, was that, did you say that was during high school that you were doing that? That was during high school. It was my last year of high school that I got introduced to the field of engineering. 
um, even at that point, I didn't quite know what engineering was. Um, I think engineering was introduced to me as a field where I saw the mechanics working in the car workshop and I was like, I'm not interested in that. Or I never saw anyone like me in engineering. Um, and so I never, it never was a field of interest to me until yeah. the doctors I was shadowing told me about it. I love that. And so when you, and it was time for applying to colleges, did you then know that's what you wanted to study? It was, I kind of knew that was what I wanted to study. Um, I still was, I still didn't understand what engineering was. And that's when I picked it up once I started college. Um, so I did apply to colleges for biomedical engineering. And then once I started college, I realized there's so many different engineering disciplines. Like there's mechanical engineering, there's nuclear engineering, um, there's even aerospace. And mm -hmm. so I realized I had this passion to help design, um, help innovate. Um, and mechanical engineering actually really intrigued me um, because I was able to learn how to design, how to 3D print, mm. um, things of that sort. So I actually switched my major my first year in college to mechanical engineering just to adapt those skills. Um, and then as I was graduating college with my undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering, I still realized I still had that strong passion to pursue a career um, to help kids um, or advance my pediatric knowledge. And so that's when I reached out to one of my mentors and she told me, she's like, why don't you pursue a PhD um, and learn more about pediatric research? Um, and so that's what led me to the next step was applying for PhD programs um, and pursuing my doctoral eventually in biomedical engineering. How long did that take you? My doctoral took me four and a half years. Yeah, I, I know it takes a long time and we've got lots of PhDs in the Hazard Girls Group who have shared their experiences with us, and it can be such a roller coaster. I know. How was your experience? It was a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it was interesting because when I was pursuing my PhD, that's when the pandemic occurred too. Mm -hmm. So it was like this unknown challenges that were coming up, um, and so it was a really big roller coaster. I think one of the biggest key things. To realize and that helped me during my PhD was not only to have a supportive PI, so a principal investigator. And for those that are not familiar with PhD programs, um, whenever you're pursuing a PhD, you usually are working for a PI, so a principal investigator. Um, to have a supportive PI throughout everything um, can either make or break your PhD. Um, and I always tell everyone that even for those folks that are applying for PhD programs now, I was like, the number one key factor to look for is to have a supportive PI if you are going to be able to work with your PI. Um, and then the second thing is creating the supportive community because there's going to be so many failures throughout your PhD. Like every experiment you can think of is going to fail. Um, to just have a supportive community that's going to take you out for ice cream or just rally you on. And that's what I found through Instagram as well. So on Instagram, there's this strong STEM community that has been created. And so they're just rallying you on. Do you think when you're gathering a group around you, especially in person, like taking you out for ice cream, do they really have to have their PhD or be in the PhD type program in order to understand what you're going through? No. Um, I And I can echo that because one of my biggest supporters is my husband. Um, I think for creating a supportive community and pursuing your PhD, it's create, building that network. 
And so there's aspects of yourself that you realize that finding those things that make you happy. Um, so one of those things is like taking me out for ice cream. That makes me happy anytime I'm stressed out. Um, finding that person that can provide you career guidance, finding that person mm -hmm. that can actually help you with your research topic, finding that person that can help you just complete your experiment. Um, yeah. Finding that person that's that soundboard for when you know all your experiments are failing, who are you going to go to to talk about that too? Um, so that's essentially building that network. It's building yeah. that community um, for you to further yourself. It's almost like you're building your own board of directors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, so, okay, so that was your PhD. And then you went, did you go right into your career that you're in now at, at the company that you're with? No, I took a break. So I actually defended back in December and then I officially graduated with my PhD in May of last year. Um, so after I graduated, um, I actually had my wedding in April, my official wedding. Um, my family and friends were coming. So a lot of that was taken into wedding planning. Um, and then I spent the summer with friends um, really just traveling, attending other weddings, going to baby showers. <laughs> so yeah, no, I took a break afterwards. Um, and, and then I started my career last October. So just three months ago. And what was that process like getting that job? It is interesting. So um, I was not actually even planning to apply for jobs until the after wedding planning, because it was just a lot going on. Um, but one of these opportunities came up and it was from where I was networking with someone from a previous conferences that I've attended. Mm -hmm. So this was actually the Society of Women Engineers conference that I was attending. Um, and this was back during co when COVID actually just started. Um, I networked with someone there and I stayed in touch over the years with her. Um, and they told me about this. TLDP program. So the program I'm currently in, Technology Leadership Development Program, and it is meant for PhD graduates. So I had that in the back of my mind, but applications are due around February for the first round. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll just go ahead and apply. But the back of my head, I was like, there's no way I'm getting this job. It is so competitive. Um, I, I was going up against people who have their own patents, lots of publications, um, skills of establishing worldwide organizations. Um, and so I was like, there's no way I'm gonna get this job, but I was like, maybe it's good practice for when I do apply for an actual job I need, uh, I wanna apply for. And I actually wanted this job, but I was like, there's no way I'm getting it. And so I went through the process of applying. Um, and I will say, I think the biggest thing that helped me throughout it was networking. So actually networking with the people in the company, learning about um, what kind of skills they're kind of looking for, mm -hmm. how I can apply my skills to help them, um, and just learning about those aspects. And so as I was applying, I applied. There's three rounds of interviews. Um, I passed through all of the interviews, and it was a little stressful and anyone that applies to this program will say it's a little stressful going through these interviews because it's just a lot of questions, a lot of challenging questions that are asked. And I think that goes for any job post PhD is you are going to be asked challenging questions. Um, 
and just preparing for that. So better defining those stories that you're going to be telling about, talking about um, during this process. And so during my final round of interview, um, I went through it. Um, there was, I think, 16 interviews that I went through in one day. You went through 16 with 16 different people? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, no so it was a full, full day of interviews. Um, and just to give a, a scope of this, there's like over 150 people that apply and only a few are chosen at the end. So mm -hmm. during my cohort, over 150 to 200 people applied and three were chosen. Um, and, and one of those was you. And one of those was me. I love your advice that you talked to people. You were just networking and getting to know people. You were actually asking them what skills they were looking for. And then you were able to frame your own skill set in relationship to what they specifically needed. And that probably helped you. Yes. Um, and I will say, so whenever even I ask that question, it sometimes they say things like, we just, we're looking for leadership skills. We're looking for technical skills. And so sometimes a general broad answer is also given, but it helped me frame even my, just my resume, right? So I had a leadership section. I had a ex work experience section that outlined my technical experience. Um, and so I think that's really what helped me work my way through um, in pursuing this career. Yeah, I love that you took the time to do that and you, you really made sure that you were addressing each area and Congratulations. That sounds like it was very competitive. Um, so, and I know you're working on very, as you mentioned, challenging and meaningful health problems that are affecting people around the world. So can you talk a little bit, are you, are you allowed to talk about that, what you're working on? So I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about what I'm doing exactly at work, um, but I can give a general scope. Um, yeah. And yeah, I can talk touch on my past experience as well. Um, so right now, currently, I am actually working on part of the infusion um, business unit at Beckman Dickinson. So what that means is if you were to walk in to the hospital, you see all of these infusion pumping devices. So the devices that's providing you the IV fluids, um, they even have those that are called like gravity sets. So like the gravities that don't require a device as well. Um, I'm working on that device. So even the ones out in market right now, um, just addressing challenges, ongoing with it, um, trying to see if there's anything new we could come up with um, to help our doctors, our nurses, or help our patients. Um, and this is a device that's used worldwide, right? Um, this is a device that is seen in every hospital. Um, it was a device that was very important during COVID as well, just to deliver those fluids. Because it not only does it deliver general fluids, it also delivers chemotherapy, it delivers other medicines. Um, so it's a device that's really worldwide known. Yeah. And then just another back step. So during my PhD, um, I was actually researching drug delivery systems. Mm -hmm. um, so what that means is essentially a problem that we were working to address is currently when chemotherapy is given to cancer patients, it's given through, usually through IV. And so IV stands for intravenous. So it's given through a tube essentially that you can describe through your arm. Um, and that drug is, or that medicine is distri distributed throughout your whole body. Um, and so let's say if you have a tumor or cancer in your brain, it's really answering the question, like how much of the drug is actually getting to that spot in your brain? 
Yeah. Um, and so that was a project that I was working on. And for me, I was really passionate about the pediatric side, right? So to help the kids. Um, and so that was something that I researched then. Um, we researched a hydrogel-based drug delivery system. So it's locally based. Um, and what that means is, can we just deliver the drug at the tumor site instead of delivering it throughout the whole body and really exposing more of the tumor tissue that way? And what was the answer? We're trying. It's research. Yeah. You're working on it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that, is, is that something that has been studied before? Yes. So locally, local drug delivery systems have been studied for a long time. Um, one of the big hurdles, though, is getting FDA approved, right? Um, so going through those clinical trials um, and even just getting the, enough preclinical data to even get to that next step. And so that's a big hurdle that what a lot of research right now is ongoing um, is developing those preclinical investigations to get to the clinical step. But yeah, there has been, there was one local drug delivery system that was FDA approved a long time ago, but there was some obstacles, unfortunately, that were um, brought up to it. Um, and so it's now it's like, okay, we know those challenges were brought up. How can we work to address those challenges? What kind of research can we do to make sure those challenges do not come up? So your PhD is finished, right? Are, do you, but you're still interested in the issue so and you're really busy with work do you do you have time to also work on the same issues you are working on in your PhD or is that something that you'll go back to later um so I can't solely work on um so my cancer research that I was doing that is some background knowledge that I have gained now right and so that is always going to be in the back of my head yeah. I can't just solely go work and continue my PhD research unfortunately I had to pass it on to the next PhD mm -hmm. students um, and the next undergraduate research assistants that were in the lab as well. But for me now and where in the position I'm in, I can use that knowledge that I gained about what I was learning about the challenges that especially kids are dealing with. And so even like in developing these medical devices I'm working on right now, it's how can I bring that perspective into the medical device industry? Yeah. How can I use that knowledge? And it's always a continuous learning cycle. So it's not only how can I use my background knowledge, but how can I also further my education, further work with others to develop those devices, especially for kids. And I know you're interested in helping kids. And I think that kind of probably extends into just helping young people in general in learning about different careers that are out there to bring more diversity into STEM. Is that accurate, would you say? Yeah. Um, I think so. One of the th key things that I learned during my PhD is um, a lot of devices that are developed, a lot of research ongoing is usually is designed for adults. And so mm. whenever it's used for kids, it's just assumed that it can be used for kids and just kind of transferred over. Um, and so that was something that really came my passion during my PhD was it can't just often be transferred over. There has to be a separate research or innovation going on. Um, and so that's something that, again, that I always keep in the back of my head now is, even as we're developing these devices, is this the right device to be used for in a children's hospital? Okay, now that, that's a different topic, but that is a really important one. And I think a lot of us can, as women, we can probably relate to that because everything around us is built with the male 
body as a standard, right? So this is this has parallels to that where everything is built with an adult as a standard. So now we're even taking it a step further and saying, well, what about children? And so thank you so much for being an advocate for them. And I love that you're spreading the word about that because it'll bring more people into the fold to continue to do that and get them interested in it. Um, one of the things that you have talked about is the idea of rejections and failures. And I'm a big proponent of fail, go do it. Just because you have to fail, that's how you know you're trying. If you're not, I tell my kids, if you're not failing, that means you were not challenging yourself enough. So get out there. So tell me, what do you think? What what is what is something that you would like to share? What's your message about rejections, failures, and hearing the word no? I think uh, you pointed it out too. It's just don't be afraid to be rejected. Don't be afraid to be uh, fail. Um, one of the things that I have learned over the years, and this is something I especially picked up on during my PhD, because you're doing hundreds of experiments over and over and over again with just tweaking a little depending on what failed the previous time. Or you may just be repeating it because it's just human error and you just need to do it. It will not work out and that is okay because you're still learning. But over the years, what I've realized is this gives you skills to be resilient and perseverant. Um, And those are two skills. I think even when I was going through the interview process for the program I'm in is I I really highlighted that the skills that I learned in my PhD was to become resilient, become perseverant, be able to bounce back from those rejections, be able to bounce back from those failures and see what else I can do um, and really keep going, as you said. Yeah. Do you think that your upbringing has to do with that as well? Because you come from a family that, as you mentioned, an immigrant family that you really, your family has had to work really hard to move forward in life. Do you think it's related? Yes, um, I think it does. And that's something I've actually been reflecting on more recently is I saw the hardships my family was going through when I was growing up as well. And so now whenever, I think as I was growing up, as you can say throughout my PhD, mm-hmm. um, as being in those hardships, it's figuring out, okay, I can still keep pursuing to achieve the end goal, right? Um, there was many times that I wanted to just quit I will not say that I I was always like, yeah, let's go get it. Um, mm-hmm. There was many times I wanted to go quit. And I think that's when I brought up the supportive community. And that's what makes the difference. What has been your family's reaction to the Princesses of Power Tools calendar? They have been so excited to see the calendar. Um, I went recently to India to go see both of my grandmas. And I took the calendars to them. And... They now have it hanging in their wall and they're just like, whoa, you have your photo on a calendar. And they they took a photo with me um, and they had the calendar open and they were just had these big smiles on their faces um, oh. taking this photo with me. Um, so they have been really excited to see this calendar. It must mean a lot to them. And, and what has been their reaction at work? At work, so um, I just returned from my trip to India, so I'm about to actually take the calendar in, hopefully tomorrow. Um, So, but the folks at work are really usually excited to see things like this, so I'm sure they're going to be excited to see it. What What are the people that you work with like? Are they um, Are they mostly your age? Are they various? Are they old school? (laughs) Is this a new concept? It is all over. So uh, Becton Dickinson in general is a very large company. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
the folks that I work with are all over, but the one thing that I have learned is they're super supportive. Um, and I think that's a big thing to look for when you're looking for a company um, that you want to work for is, are they not only supportive in your own career growth, but are they supportive um, in other aspects as well too? And I think one of the biggest things that always helps me is going back to that topic about failing. Well, the first things one of my, my boss said to me when I got hired on was, uh, I hope you fail because I want to see, like you learn from those experiences um, and I want you to be challenged. Yeah, I think that's such an inspiring thing for them to say to you. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, so now you've told us a little bit about your your STEM channels. STEM with Jen. STEM with Jen, right? Okay. STEM with Jen. Where can everyone find you? Where's Which one is your most popular and where would you like to tell people to find you the most? Yeah, so um, most popularly it's on Instagram. Um, so STEM with Jen is where I try to share stories of like when I log on to work, uh, um, just thoughts that I have while I'm working, um, even just sharing other things going on because I think it's important to share that I'm more than just an engineer. Like there's a lot more traveling I can do. There's a lot more adventures I have. There's another personality. Engineers are more than just that sole engineer, right? Um, and breaking that connotation of what a traditional engineer is, which is a male-dominated field. Um, we can be girly. We can be like in the calendar of Kim Possible. And so one of the things that I love about Kim Possible is she's just ordinary girl, but she's going on all these missions and adventures to fight off the supervillains, right? Um, so it's like, how can I go on those missions and adventures to help other folks help with? And for me, it's like working with the doctors, working with the medical staff working with patients um, to address those health challenges that they're facing. Oh, okay. So you were, you, your character is Kim Possible or inspired by Kim Possible in the calendar. What did you wear? Can you I wore, yes, I wore Kim Possible's outfit. So I wore her cargo <laughs> pants, the black t-shirt, um, and then I had a little belt. Um, but I think one of my favorite things was keeping that mindset in there was call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Um, that's how it goes um, and so I think for me it's um, building that STEM community of you can call me beat me anytime you want to to help like provide guidance um, STEM related or anything related career-wise too. Dr. Jenny Patel thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to join us on the Hazard Girls podcast and to share your journey and your inspirational story about your career in STEM. Um, and also for doing the Princesses with Power Tools calendar and showing women and young girls that you can be both. You don't have to be one or the other. You don't have to be a princess or a superhero, you know, a feminine superhero or an engineer. You can be both. And so we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emily, for having me. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.